Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode, I explore Brooke Dederlein's recent TED video, Creating Ethical Cultures in Business. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode. Today I'll be exploring Brooke Detterline's recent TED video, Creating Ethical Cultures in Business. As corporate director for the Heroic Imagination Project, or HIP, Brooke helps boards, executives, and teams at all levels develop the skills to act with courage and ingenuity in the face of challenging situations. This fosters leadership, credibility, and candor, builds trust, engagement, and reduces risk. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip. Hi. So I got an email last week from the conference organizer. It said, good news, you're going after Van Jones. (laughs) And I thought, in whose alternate universe is it a good thing to follow Van? And then I remembered... I'm here to talk about courage, our ability to act from our hearts in the face of fear, and courage as a skill that we can build with practice. So thank you for this tremendous opportunity (laughs) to practice. First, let's take a look at what does life look like without courage? The Enron fraud is the story of synergistic corruption. There are supposed to be checks and balances in the system. The lawyers are supposed to say no. The accountants are supposed to say no. The bankers are supposed to say no. But no one who was supposed to say no said no. So has anything changed in the last 10 years? And please raise your hands when you've had enough. Courage. Courage to act. Courage to stand up, to speak up to push back on harmful practices and unethical behaviors within business. This is what we need more of. We need more executives, more leaders within organizations who are willing to speak up when, even when it's hard, speak up when their voice is needed the most. She gives the example of Enron, and everyone listening to this podcast knows all about Enron, I'm sure. Systematic failure across the board in terms of checks and balances, the systems that were supposed to monitor and keep in check the the financial behaviors of the organization. But don't be fooled, Enron's only problem wasn't cooking the books and its financials, so that's what it gets the most airplay that people talk about the most. It was a sick culture, hyper-competitive, uh, misogynistic, incredibly uh, hyper um, problematic in terms of discriminatory practices, especially towards women and women of color, 
just unethical across the board. Cooking the books was just one manifestation of it and probably the main one that took it down. But there were so many other negative things just baked into the culture of Enron and nobody was willing to stand up, to speak out. And I ask myself, where was the senior HR person in that organization at that time? Where were the other executives who were supposed to be monitoring and keeping track? Where was the board? Where were, was the auditing firm and where were the lawyers? Who, why didn't anyone speak up? And it comes down to a lack of courage. When facing those types of situations, it's just easier to be quiet. It's easier to think somebody else will speak up and to outsource your own responsibility because you can just assume someone else will. Well, we know from research that usually no one else will. If you know about something that needs to be addressed, you have to speak up. So she starts to lay out the importance of courage. And she asks the question, who has had enough? And I don't know about you, but I've had enough. I'm sick of corruption. I'm sick of unethical leaders. I'm sick of people who should be willing to speak up, not for fear of retaliation, for you know, fear of their own career progression, uh, whatever the case may be, that ultimately they're not willing to take the stand and make the hard choice in order to help their organization, teams within the organization, and individual people within the organization. Not to mention other stakeholders, uh, the environment, consumers, who also get exploited through unethical behaviors of corporations. We need the courage to speak up. Yeah, me too. And it doesn't have to be this way. What if the people in these circumstances had the courage and the skills to act on their values in the face of fear? I met a man who did in exactly one of those types of circumstances. We'll call him Ted. He found an illegal trading ring in his department, and he didn't know what to do, so he did nothing. And as the days passed and the stress built, he decided he would have to quit. Uh, he confided in his friend uh, in another department, and his friend said to him, if you went into the system, could you find the program? And Ted said, yes. And his friend said, then you have no choice. And what Ted says is he was reminded of who he was, of his values in that moment reflected by his friend. So he came forward and justice prevailed. It doesn't have to be this way. If we have the courage to act on our values in the face of fear, we can speak up and speak out. Now, can there be negative impacts on us, on our families, on our careers? Certainly. Is that the end of the world? I don't think so. And when we're talking about wide-scale fraud, when we talk about the Enrons or the Wells Fargo's of the world who are perpetrating fraud that negatively impact, impact so many people, how could we look the other way? Because it'll hurt, potentially, it will hurt us and our family. Do we care at all about all the other hundreds, thousands, millions of people that also may be hurt if we do nothing? I know that's a, an ethical, moral quandary. I know it's a tough thing, and I do know it takes courage. But we just need to, to exercise more courage to, to live according to our values. If we collectively did that more often, 
then these sorts of large-scale systematic ethical lapses within organizations simply wouldn't be able to occur because you put in place these systemic the, these uh, these mechanisms uh, to ch provide checks and balances to take away the opportunities for people to perpetrate these types of unethical behaviors and this type of fraud and corruption. With those in place, if people are are moral, honest people of integrity, and at least most of the people around them are the same, these types of situations just won't happen. Yet they happen constantly. They happen repeatedly. We hear about it in the news all the time. Uh, and something like an Enron occurs because people just, so many people weren't willing to speak up and to speak out. I, there are so many examples of this. I don't want to bore you with my own examples. I also don't want to get political. Uh, but I just see so much hypocrisy out there um, and I see so many leaders saying the, the right things, but behind the scenes in their boardrooms with their executive team, they undermine their very own words with the actions that they take that are morally and ethically questionable at best. Um, even if they are technically legal, ultimately that doesn't matter. That's we, we need to treat people better than just technically doing what is not illegal. So I commend in this example that she provides this man who was at first going to just step away, uh, made the decision that he just didn't want to be associated with it. That's that's good. I mean, I, I think it's good. We all need to be willing to step away uh, if, if and when uh, circumstances require. But his friend reminded him who he is, what his values are, and that if he did nothing, the problem would persist and it would hurt so many people. So he had to do it. He had to do what was right. He had to speak up. And because he did, justice prevailed. I had my own subtle experience with powerful situations. I was working for a company, and I found out the CEO was doing something unethical and illegal. So I called a meeting with my boss, the CFO, and his other direct reports in a scenario that looked shockingly like this stock photo. <laughs> and went to deliver the news, and I knew he would struggle. Um, although a very ethically driven man, the CEO was also a good friend of his. So I delivered the news, and he looked at me and he said, I think we should do some more research and give it a little time. I was so dumbstruck by the answer that everything went into slow motion like it did when I was a kid playing soccer. And I looked around, and everyone has their head down or is slowly nodding. And I was so perplexed. I know these people, they're good people, and the last thing you wanna do is put more time between when you know and when you say in a circumstance like this. So I was confused, but the humbling part of the story for me is then my thought process goes to, maybe we don't have to do anything. Maybe it isn't such a big deal. I don't even have to say anything. And then I was given a gift. The CFO was called out of the room for a minute. And in that moment, I remembered, this is one of those moments. This man hired me because he believed in me. He believed I would do my job and act on our shared values when it was hard. So he came back into the room, I stepped back into time, and I said, we should go to the board. And he paused, and he looked at me, 
And he nodded, and we did. But what I will never forget is that I am, and we all are, vulnerable to situational influence all the time. It's just natural human wiring. I really appreciate her example that she shares, and she's right. We're all vulnerable. So we can all sit here thinking, oh, if I was there at Enron, or if I was there at Wells Fargo, I would have spoken up. I would have stood up to the corruption, to the unethical behaviors. She found herself in that, own, that her own situation, and she had to make a decision. She decided to step forward to go and talk to the CFO and to raise the issue, but then the situ situational pressures were such that even then, she and she knew what needed to happen, she then started to think, well, does, does this really need to happen? Do we really need to press this? Can we just wait? Um, luckily, she had a moment to pause, to think, to reassert her commitment to doing the right thing, and she was able to move forward uh, to bring the issue forward and, and push on the CFO to make sure that they went to the board and talked about the corruption and the fraud of the CEO. But just as easily, either she, she could have found herself in the same situation and not brought it to the attention of the CFO in the first place, or she could have gone to the CFO and then when the CFO said, uh, let's just wait and see, she could have said, okay, um, she could have uh, just caved to that influence of the, C the CFO, or she could have simply, uh, in a lackluster kind of passive-aggressive way, um, done kind of the bare minimum to do the organization's due diligence around the, the concern, the unethical behavior that she found out uh, in order to, to tidy up, you know, potential liability that the organization may have if it came out that they knew about the behavior of the CEO. You know, organizations do these types of things all the time, and legal compliance is important. Um, making sure that we're crossing our T's, dotting our I's is important, but just going through the motions so that if and when we end up in court that we can have plausible deniability or claim that we did everything we could, even though we, we knew we didn't, um, you know, that's just not enough. We need people to have the courage to stand up. And, and she did. She did, thankfully. And they were able to resolve the situation. I find, I've found myself in similar situations many times. And I would like to say that I'm always the most courageous, but I'm sure that's not true. Um, but, but I can think of a few examples where I knew for certain that if I spoke up and I pushed that it could potentially hurt me with the organization. It could potentially hurt uh, advancement opportunities in my career. Um, but I spoke up anyways. And when I was dismissed, I spoke up again, and I became a bit of a pest about it. And when I was dismissed again and again, I continued to reach out to, to broaden the net of people who were aware of the issue because the key executives in the organization didn't care. They didn't want to address it. They didn't feel like... It was a problem worth their time or attention. Uh, eventually, I was able to help enough people at, in key positions in the organization understand the, the, the real problem, the depth of the, the issue at hand, and they ended up reversing their decision. If I hadn't spoken up, it certainly wouldn't have changed, but I had to push. I had to push repeatedly with many people over weeks in order to get things to come forward. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm just saying this to illustrate again, along with her illustration, that it is hard. 
I did, it, I did pay a price, um, uh, very much so. Um, I, I think my reputation in, in certain corners of the organization went up because people saw me as authentic. They saw me as a person of integrity. They, they saw me as a person willing to speak up and speak out. But within the top leadership of the organization, they have henceforth seen me as uh, someone uh, who's a problem, uh, who, uh, who isn't a team player, and so on and so forth, all the euphemisms um, that leaders sometimes throw out there. We can do better. We need to do better. Uh, I'm nothing special, uh, but I, I did find myself in a privileged position where I could afford to speak up, even if they did their worst and tried to hurt me, um, that I knew that I was at least somewhat protected. And if I didn't, who else would? And so I did. And luckily, it, it at least for the most part, worked out. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. This from our founder, uh, Dr. Phil Zimbardo. He found this out in 1971 when he conducted the famous Stanford Prison Experiment that showed that even the most ethical and compassionate among us can easily betray our values in the face of challenging situation. I won't make you raise your hands for this one, but think back over the last six months. How many of you have been in a situation where you thought, someone should do something, or I should, I should say something? And think of the subtle ones, because those are often the ones that get us and you and no one else did anything. It's natural, it's a natural human tendency to be a bystander, to follow a leader or a group that we know is doing something wrong for a sense of acceptance or a sense of security. The good news is we get to choose. Um, but it's first, it's even harder for us in business to do the right thing. Research out of Harvard on ethical fading shows that when we're focused on operational objectives and you throw pressure on top, sound familiar? The ethical implications of our acts will fade from our minds. Pay attention when people say, this is business. Find out what they mean when they say that. Ethical fading. 
the ethical behaviors of our actions will fade from our mind. Couple that with the bystander effect that most people will follow a leader, even when that leader is doing unethical things, or they'll be willing to just stand by because they think someone else will do the hard work of speaking up. It's why we see atrocities happen all over the world, human rights violations, uh, exploitation within organizations, corruption, fraud, all of these things. Most people are generally good people. They would never do anything like that themselves, but they just stand by and watch while they see atrocities happen because of the bystander effect. And because of ethical fading, once you're in business, it's even harder because we're operationalizing all these different tasks that have to be done. And we just think about the efficiencies and effectiveness of what we're doing in our tasks, not necessarily zooming out and taking the big picture uh, look at the implications of what we're doing or how it might impact other stakeholders. So when I'm teaching students at the university, MBA students, about ethical decision-making, one of the very first things I talk about is the bystander effect. One of the first things I talk about is ethical fading. And then we talk about stakeholders. We talk about unintended consequences. We talk about do no harm. We talk about making sure that we look from a systems thinking perspective at all of the things that we're doing within an organization so that we can see truly what the impacts are or might be of our actions. Our good intentions aren't enough. Even if we have good intentions, we have to be willing and have the courage to speak up, to speak out, um, and to really think thoughtfully about our actions, their consequences, and then make reparations and apologize if and when our, our actions are harmful to others, even if that wasn't our intention. Because, uh, because of the difficulties, the systematic difficulties within organizations, uh, and because we don't do, frankly, from my opinion, we don't do enough um, teaching and training around core values and ethical decision-making in business schools and in organizations, we see the perpetration of uh, fraud, corruption. We see people cutting corners that negatively impact the people within the organization, customers outside the organization, the environment, and so forth. And we can do better. So now the good news is we get to choose. Um, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And our work is about using that space to get us to reconnect to our values, to our hearts, to our natural wisdom to act courageously. The kids in our program call it the magic pause button. The way we do that is we use something called social fitness training. It was developed over 25 years by Dr. Lynn Henderson. And the great news about it is, with practice, we can actually retrain our brains to override our natural fear response to act consistently from on our values in the face of fear. Start to think the key aspects of her work to remember. Start to recognize your patterns. Where do you stand up easily and where do you not? Once you know your patterns, practice the situations that scare you. We call them social flight simulations. And just like with pilots, if you practice with some level of fear, it creates the muscle memory so that when the actual moment arises, you can act in the way that you've practiced. Um, you start to use that shot of fear or adrenaline as your cue for mindful action versus avoidance. In neuroscience, they call it priming the brain. 
So how do we foster these ethically courageous corporate cultures? Become a pattern interrupter. Start to interrupt your own patterns. Create your own pause button. Create it for your teams in your organizations. I think if we, we can all agree if we look at the challenges facing our economic system, our political system, and the world at large, we're going to need a bigger pause button. What I also know by our work is that we're all born with the innate capacity for courage. It's a choice, one I hope we'll all make, and it matters. Thank you. We need to foster ethically courageous cultures within our organizations. We need to encourage our people to exercise that kind of courage. We need to reward people for speaking up and speaking out, for highlighting the problems before they come, become bigger problems. We as organizational leaders have to be able to set up the systems, the practices, the training, the onboarding, the performance management, you know, the, all of the culture and the systems that go into perpetuating the healthy type of speak up culture that we desire. We need courageously ethical organizations that aren't going to cut corners, that aren't going to exploit the people in and out of the organization, who aren't going to exploit the environment. We need to do cognitive priming. We need to make sure that our people take the time to pause, to think about the implications of what they're doing. And we need to make sure mechanisms are in place for them to speak up without fear of retaliation or retribution, that they can really focus on the need and then address it. The reality is the more barriers to ethical decision-making and, and courageous ethical culture that we uh, create, the less we're going to see of it because it does take courage. Ultimately, people are sticking their neck out, their, their necks out. They are... Um, putting themselves out there, and it is difficult. So we need to reduce the fear to the extent possible and then encourage our people to be courageous, encourage our people to face their fears, encourage our people to have a plan B in case, worst case scenario, they really do find themselves ostracized within the organization and they have to move on go somewhere else. But if we're a healthy organization, we will want that. We will want that for ourselves. We'll want that for our people. We'll want that for leadership up and down the line of the organization. I really appreciate this TED Talk. I think she does an excellent job of laying out several of the prime and, and just vital uh, principles around courageous ethical decision-making. Many concepts that she shares here that we all need to be thinking about and we need to uh, find ways to implement into our organization. I encourage everyone listening to think about your team. Think about what you do. Think about your willingness to speak up and to speak out. Think about how you create a culture of psychological safety that encourages your people to speak up and to speak out. Think about what we can do better. Where are the gaps? How can we improve? I think pretty much all of us can improve. I think pretty much every organization can improve. And until we stop seeing all of these atrocities uh, in governments and organizations and communities across the world, that means we have a lot more to do. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As always, I hope you can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week.
we are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.